since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> July 21st, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I am your co-host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 18-year young adult survivor of brain cancer. And I'm your co-host, Annie Goodman, young adult breast cancer fighter, and we're your host for the Stupid Cancer Show. It is not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer? Under 40? Doctor, time to get busy living, folks, because the Stupid Cancer Show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first time and returning listeners on Block Talk Radio, iTunes, iHeartRadio Talk, or listen to the archives on stupidcancershow.org. On tonight's show, cancer made me broke. Cancer is expensive, period. Too often you win the fight but lose everything thanks to crushing debt and medical bankruptcy. This is not okay, and the folks at Give Forward, Ethan Austin and Ariana Vargas are doing something about it. Join us as we discuss our broken health care system, the ridiculously high cost of care, and what people are doing about it. So our spotlight on blogger Sarah Dalzell. And I'm Maureen Sweet, Manager of Programs and Operations here at Stupid Cancer, and I will be live tweeting throughout the broadcast at CuteNoDeck. So send me your questions and feedback at any time using the hashtag SCRadio. Happy Monday. Hey. How's my team? We're good. What's going on? All right. Hi, Mallory. Hello. How are you? Just dandy. And some R&D for the show tonight? Research and development. A little. Yeah? yeah a little. Just a little. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hi, Maureen. Working hard behind the scenes. Hello, Matthew. How are you? I am excellent, thank yes. you. What's going on? I just came off a weekend of playing hostess to two friends from Philadelphia. Yeah, your Instagram so. is quite uh, interesting. Was it? Yeah. Did it Instagram interesting things? Well, you were, you were in various places. I did. I went to places with my friends, which was, I think, something a hostess is supposed to do. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. But, uh, but yeah, so I'm kind of settling into the place I've been living in and hosting people, which is really fun. Um, so, ready to tackle another week. And you were sweetless. I was what? Sweetless. Yeah, I was not hosting home. my family. Huh. Yeah. So, I'm the only sweet left in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Holding it down. Kenny, right? <laughs> oh, hi. 
<laughs> Good morning. Hi, how are you? How are you? Good. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. Likewise. How was your weekend, MZ? Good. Beach. You went to the beach? Went to the beach. Twice. We saw each other. Oh, fancy. And Kenny, Uncle Kenny stuck away. Oh, my goodness. Really? I think it was well documented. Yes, it was fairly well documented. Did I not see seven pictures of that? In a moment <laughs> of time. A moment of time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Uncle Kenny stopped by. Said hello to his uh, pseudo surrogate uh, niece and nephew, Kobe and Hannah. My, my interface. Surrogate niece, niece and nephew. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hannah, I love you. Hannah got, a, Hannah got a bruise. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, we, we can get back to that. But <laughs> why do they love me? They love you. They, they cling on to you. First of all, you're really tall. They like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah declared, Kenny taller than daddy. You are, you are their monkey bars. A fair point. Yeah. Yeah. You're their monkey bars, exactly. Yeah. No, they they love you. They they ask about you all the time. I'm touched. It's super sweet. <laughs> and Hannah, Kobe was we were doing the one two three where you like pick the kid up and launch him into the air, and <laughs> I, it, well, pretty, it can only sure, end badly. I'm pretty sure it was even. I'm pretty sure the times were even on yeah. the walk back from the beach. But Hannah decided that she needed one last time, and I think she tried to like kick Kobe in the back of the knee. Well, we were lifting Kobe up, oh, and she wanted That's yeah. a smart move. We were lifting up my knee. son. And then she came running up to, like, push him out of our hands so she could grab our hands. She, like, tried to climb him. And upon doing so, instant karma got her. Yes. And she got a bruise. And it was like, she looked at it, and then it was the highest pitch sound I've ever heard. <laughs> after she saw it. After she yeah, and then, and then the funny, happened. I think he misses. She was sitting on the toilet waiting for the band-aid to come. <laughs> not, not, sitting, not sitting on the toilet, but she was hanging out waiting for the band-aid. And I go, Hannah, let me take a picture. So she goes from like, ah, to just being like super serious, super sad. It's kind of like. Kenny's <laughs> <laughs> making a sad face. I'm making yeah. a sad face on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She posed. For, she's like totally yeah. over-dramatizing everything. And, yeah. I wonder where she gets it from. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Not her mom. Not her mom. Apple trees make apples. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, it was like the, uh, the, the life is uh, the harsh reality. Life sucks moment for the four-year-old. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And uh, Annie, you're well. I'm. I'm doing. Everything's going pretty good. Everything's doing well. Had some chemo last week. Not so bad. Well, it's all relative, but not terrible. But this week, I have a week off from chemo, and I also turn a year older and wiser. Yes, you will so, be uh, 33 on Wednesday. On Wednesday. Yes. Good for you. Thank you. So um, you know, every year I age is another year I'm here. Yes. So I don't, I no longer have the, uh, oh, my God, I'm getting older. I also don't have a biological clock anymore, so I don't have to worry about that ticking. So I guess I have Those are overrated. That. Yeah, I guess I have that on you're my like, side. You're like a time out. traveler. Yeah, I have, like, you know, no gynecological organs. Don't have, no hurry to, to, you know, start a family. So I, don't, I no longer feel the pressure of getting older. I appreciate it. Well, we have a, uh, a drop-in guest tonight gentleman by the name of Rob Polizzi, who was actually, uh, we were uh, brought to his attention by our guest tonight, Ethan Austin from uh, Get Forward. Rob, thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, in, uh, you uh, beat thyroid cancer. Uh, so far, yeah. So far, so good. How is that going for you? It's going great. You know, I, one of the things that happened to me was I had a, uh, my thyroid cancer wrapped around a vocal cord, so they had to actually cut one. Couldn't speak for a long time. But, were you a uh, singer prior I was an actor, actually, so it, uh, you know, amateur. Um, did, did some performances here and there, but while that's over, the voice has recovered. I am able to speak somewhat, as you might be able to tell. Did you have training? 
or therapy or anything? No, actually, they were talking about surgery, and I went to Sloan Kettering, and uh, they, they talked about doing surgery to improve the vocal cords uh, since one was paralyzed, and uh, they ultimately didn't need it. I'm now the poster child for why you do not need an operation when that happens because it can self-adjust over time. Interesting. The body's incredible. Yeah. They used to bring the, the other doctors around to see me when I came in for a checkup. You were that for the grand rounds. You were all, all the 21-year-old residents showed up and <laughs> gawked at you like, exactly. oh, my, his throat, his throat. <laughs> well, we're glad you're with us tonight. Thanks, Enjoy the show. Thanks for you. From the couch. From the couch. So uh, what else is happening this week? Well, let's look at our list of things that are happening this week, Matt. Oh, yes. That list I wrote of things happening this week. Well, on this list, there is a telethon happening in over a month that we feel the need to discuss now. Well, no, it's exciting. Stand Up to Cancer announced their, uh, I think it's their fourth. Yeah, telethon. yeah, it's a bunch. 06, 08, no, no. 08, 2010, 2012, 2014. Fourth? fourth? All right. Stand Up to Cancer, cool. They only do the telethon in even? In even years, yes. Hmm. Yeah. I just remember the last one I called because it was when... Um, Mickey Kelly was dating Derek Jeter, and her mother, I think, passed away from ovarian cancer or something like that. And I was like, I wanted to be like, give me Minka. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had I had a good time last time. They got me in backstage, so I got to meet some of the celebs and all the really cool people. I got to actually shake Seth Rogen's hand. Thank you for being Will Riser's yeah. buddy during his cancer ordeal. They both co-wrote the uh, film Fifty Fifty mm-hmm. from 2012. So so you'll be there again this year. Is there anyone that you're dying to meet on the red carpet? Yeah, I need to have my insert random young actress. I don't know the name of because I'm old man person here. Maybe right. you can get all the Chasing Life people to be your arm candy. Yeah. I don't know if they're coming or not, but if they are, that'd be should, cool. They should be your guest. If Louis C.K. shows up, then yeah. get me on well, the first they're in, now. <laughs> they're in with stand-up, so I don't see why it wouldn't be like a direct integration. Interesting. That's a good point. I'll, I'm talking to them on uh, Wednesday. So I'll uh, I think Wednesday, but I will uh, I'll ask them. That'd be a good place yeah. to do some red carpet stuff. For sure, yeah, yeah for sure. Speaking of chasing life, yes, have um, some more of our stuff on their show. Yeah, yeah. Every, mm-hmm. every week, someone's wearing a shirt or a wristband or mm-hmm. something. There was a I think there was a coffee mug uh, stowed away in the kitchen. One of the mm-hmm. scenes that the mom was drinking out of. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yeah. Totally subtle, like subliminal advertising yeah. done the right way. We'll take it. We'll totally take it. It's Thank really you, cool. chasing and life. It is yeah. a, and it is a if you want more stuff, show. let us know. And it, yeah. it actually is a decent show. So he had a seizure while driving yep. the car. He has actually brain cancer. He's living very raucously. And, you know, it's funny how the cops have the gun on him. And he's like, he's dying of brain cancer. He's like, he's having a seizure because he has brain cancer. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that's probably why I'm not supposed to drive. No. no. Anyway. But other good uh, news here, we, uh, we always talk about our mobile app that's coming out this fall in beta. But Kenny and I got the very first uh, dummy alpha version of it on our phones, and it was just a real gestalt moment to have something physical in our hands on our phones that we uh, um, were just so proud, so unbelievably proud to uh, to have that. And we wanted to read off a list of names of people because we uh, we promised our, our some of our backers a great shout out on the air, and uh, Kenny's going to read the uh, the names of all our amazing people who came out of the woodwork to support this project. Yes. In no particular order, we'd like to thank the Anti-Cancer Club, Paul Berman, Scott Maxwell, Tom Lavero, Aaron Havel, Jen Stewart, Samantha Knox, Jeremy Lawton, Jenny Weinecke, and Jessica, I'm going to butcher her last name, Spewick. Okay. 
Gesundheit. Yes. Thank okay. you to all those people. Yes, super. Thank you to all those people. And I am a Denver bound uh, for a meetup on Thursday. I'll be in town for a site visit for uh, some other things going on with CancerCon and uh, a couple of meetings with some of the Denver uh, dignitaries in the government and some other groups in the Colorado Cancer Coalition. Uh, good stuff. It's going to be a great week. And, that's and that's it. Crickets, crickets. Yeah. All right. Fine. It's July. <laughs> it's July. We've got two shows left. Okay. Sarah Dalzell was diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer at age 35 and started blogging anonymously at cancerinyour30s.blogspot.com. Little did she realize that she'd become a bit of an internet, internet, internet phenom, and she joins us tonight to tell us more about her story. Sarah. I'm Sarah. Hi. From New Hampshire, correct? Correct. I, I don't think we've ever had a guest from New Hampshire. You, you quite might be the first. Well, that's very exciting. <laughs> well, my last time in New Hampshire was when I went to visit my friend at Dartmouth in 1994. So how's the state holding up? Uh, we've been pretty good since then, so thanks for, yeah, checking in on us. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, your, your, your blog caught my eye. You write some really compelling stuff, and uh, I really wanted to reach out and have you on the show because you're a young adult. You are very open about being a young adult. This is a young adult show our mission everything is about giving voice to people and i was hoping you could kind of start at the beginning you were diagnosed with stomach cancer at the age of 35 what was life like at age 34 oh at age 34 i had just started a new job that i was really excited about and um things were going really well and other health issues that i had 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 dissipated so i was feeling probably as healthy as i had as an in my whole adult life, and uh, so things were going really great. Um, and then... And when, when, when did the shit hit the fan? <laughs> uh, so a little over a year ago, um, in May 2013, I started feeling a little... F- feeling full after only a few bites of food. They call it early satiation. And... Uh, I didn't really do anything about it for about a, a month or so because I was losing weight without trying. I mean, it's not everybody's, like, dream. So um, then I saw my doctor, and she wanted to schedule an endoscopy to see what was going on. And um, I put it off for a little bit because we had uh, some fun things planned over the summer. And finally, last August 2013, I had the endoscopy, and they found... Uh, the uh, cancer cells in my stomach lining. So what kind of treatment did they give you for all that? So I, um, within a few weeks, started um, uh, chemotherapy, which I've done every other Friday since then. Um, And I I have the standard treatment for stomach cancer, which is uh, Folfox, and then a trial drug, um, which I'm not going to try to say the name of because it's um, ridiculously hard to pronounce. Um, every yeah, as I said, every other Friday since last August. And how are you feeling now? Um, I'm a little tired, um, and a little sick of some of the side effects. But the good news is that you know, within like two treatments, I had my appetite back and was able to eat full portions again. 
um, which meant that it was working, and, and all my scans uh, you know, all have been very positive. The lymph nodes have all shrunken as much as they can shrink, and um, the last scan a few weeks ago, uh, usually it says continued thickening of stomach lining, and this time it said perceived decrease in stomach uh, or perceived perceived thinning of stomach lining. So that was great news. That was something we had been led to believe probably wouldn't happen. So that's great news. So what compelled you to start blogging? Had you been doing that before? Did you have a, are you a writer? Did you write in the past? No, I, um, I've never minded writing, but I'm not much, I hadn't been much of a writer. Um, I started an online journal for my family and friends soon after I was diagnosed to keep them updated um, but I'm very positive on that online journal, and and in general, I'm pretty positive most of the time. But I felt like I needed another outlet for um, some of those n- not quite so positive thoughts and feelings that I was having. And I went to the Young Adult with Cancer Conference at Dana-Farber in um, March, and the keynote speaker there was... Um, is the founder of uh, Writing Saves Lives, and they encourage people to write and journal about their um, experiences. And so I reached out to her for some support about, you know, how do you how do you even start a blog? What do you do? And um, she was really helpful. So we, uh, well, first of all, we, I think we were, Maureen, did you go to that conference? Though? I was there. We yes. may have met. I was sitting there at the cancer table. Ah, yeah. Oh, so you, you well, thank you for table. the bracelet yeah. then. I took a couple bracelets. Yeah. Thank you for taking one. That's why I didn't have to carry back any <laughs> You made, you made her, her bag a little lighter. Very nice. No, I'm glad you found out about so. that conference. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry. So you learned how to blog in whatever facet. I I heard a lot about a lot of positive comments about that uh, that speaker at the conference. And clearly, you're an example of 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 a, it. It clearly works. Can you discuss yeah. with us some of the takeaways from that, and some of the challenges you may or may not have still faced, and what your very first blog post was about? Well, um, part of why, uh, so I decided I was going to blog anonymously. Although obviously, this podcast now kind of blows that out of the water. But um, you know, I was about to ask, are we just are, are we outing you? Yeah, you're officially? welcome for that. <laughs> That's okay. I um I I, I did uh, several friends I had shared the blog with um, when I started, and then um, I mentioned to my parents that I had started this blog and was going to be on a podcast, but I didn't tell them how to access it, and they'll never figure it out. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but no, I um, I don't really like to tell people things that are upsetting to them, which is kind of hard when you have cancer, and um, so that was why I I kind of started and wanted to blog anonymously so that friends and family um, wouldn't necessarily read what I was writing. Um, But like I said, I did share it with some friends, and um, the very first blog post I wrote was... uh, stupid things that well-meaning people say to you when you have cancer, um, which is also a good one to be anonymous because people will recognize themselves in here, I'm sure. Um, But I suppose they need to learn that lesson. And 
All right, so I, I, what I found fascinating about your story was that uh, your disease is genetic. It's it not is. like you were downing like like vinegar and apple cider and, and onions and all sorts of horrible like like gasoline products to get right, this. Right. Are those horrible gasoline products you have to listen to? That's all I had. <laughs> vinegar, apple cider, and top three cousins. really bad. I'm going with the acidic stuff and the gotcha. gas. Okay. Gasoline was for effect. <laughs> Maybe kerosene. How's that? Um, but yes. uh, you were able to have a conversation with your family about their risk for this, and your father even went so far as to have, is it called a gastrectomy? What, what's the actual? It's a, yeah, it's a total gastrectomy, which is a complete removal of the stomach. Um and actually, two of his cousins have actually recently had the surgery as well because they also had tested positive for the gene mutation. Um, my grandmother and her father both had stomach cancer. Um, and so there is an 80% lifetime risk of stomach cancer when you have this gene mutation. Um, and it's much... it's. Com- much more common in young adults than other forms of stomach cancer. Have you ever considered having your stomach removed, or is that just not an option for you at this time? Right now it's not on the table. Um, they they never get all the cancer cells, you know, and so by the time I would recover from a surgery like that, um, it would and be able to start chemo again, it would most likely have, you know, spread extensively. But, you know, the doctors have said, you know, it's it's unlikely but not completely out of the question for the future. Um, This is Mallory here. Uh, I have a question just through your blog. You say that you use turmeric a lot. Yeah. Um, What does diet look like, especially including the turmeric? So um, I worked a lot with a nutritionist, especially because when I first started treatment, I really couldn't eat very large amounts, so I needed to um, try to maintain my weight in other ways. Um, But also just my diet, I think like a lot of people with cancer who work with a nutritionist, you know, try to eat as many vegetables as possible, get in all those phytonutrients and whatnot. Um, But the nutritionist had shared a recipe for turmeric tea when we first met because turmeric is a really powerful anti-inflammatory and when you're fighting cancer, you're basically fighting inflammation. So um, she recommended that and I'd been drinking that pretty much every night since I was diagnosed and then a month or so ago, I read an article that said um, about treating cancer with turmeric, not just treating inflammation and that but you would need to take a supplement um, because you couldn't possibly in a day eat that much. And coincidentally, my mother bought me um, turmeric supplements the same week. So uh, after a bunch of go-around with the doctors uh, we about whether it violated the protocols of the trial drug I was on, uh, I was able to start taking that as a supplement. And you are married, so why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, significant other and your husband and how you guys got through this disease together. He's He's been amazing. Um, yeah, in the one blog post, he asked that I ref- 
refer to him as Matt Damon, so he could be anonymous also. Um, but that's not really who I'm married to, just so you know. Um, but, you know, he's been amazing. He's had to take on a lot more things around the house and, um, you know, doing laundry and more of the cooking and uh, jumping up to make me a cup of tea whenever I wanted and all those kinds of things. So it's been really great. Um He's a very much a, a person who likes a plan, and so there's been a steady plan throughout my treatment, and that has been uh, helpful, I think, for him, but it certainly is stressful for him as well. So let's get down to brass taxes. You wrote, you created a blog called Cancer in Your 30s. Clearly, yep. you're aware that you're not 80 and you're not 7 years old, yep. and that you went to a young adult cancer conference in Boston. Uh, you are part of a generation that doesn't really get specific attention um, yes. because it's very different when you get sick when you're not 70 or 7. Uh, did, you, did you feel that right away, that sense of isolation and that sense of I'm the only person going through this? And is, did that, if any, at all contribute to this, this amazing attitude that you have now about I'm in my 30s and you got to deal with that because it's different? Yes, yeah. Um it's it's twofold. One, I mean, stomach cancer is uh, decreasing, thankfully, in the United States in number of diagnoses, but that means there's not a lot of folks out there with stomach cancer, and there especially aren't a lot of folks out there uh, under the age of, say, 60 with stomach cancer. And when I go for my treatments and I'm sitting in the waiting room, I am the floor with all these gastric cancer patients. I look around and I'm pretty much always the youngest person in the room by, you know, quite a bit. Um, so it was, you know, it was twofold, both having a diagnosis that is not as common and being someone much younger than the average patient that kind of made me feel like, am I the, am I the only one? And I kept asking the social worker at the hospital, like, are there other young people around here with this diagnosis? Like, because I don't see them. Um, she assured me that there are, but uh, it's a small community. And how did you find out about initially the uh, the Dana Farber conference from uh, New Hampshire? Oh, because I I I drive two hours down to Boston to Dana Farber every other Friday, so oh, I'm a okay. patient there. Yeah, um, we thankfully we have some great friends that and family that we can stay with when we need to stay overnight in the city. Um, but yeah, we we drive into Dana Farber uh, every other Friday, and they're so wonderful. They are wonderful there. Yeah, we they we have great partners with them. They do some really amazing work, and they're one of the first hospitals in the country to address young adults specifically and uniquely. Was the, the event that you went to the first time you stepped into a room with like a hundred other young adult survivors? Yes, yes, it was, and it was um, it was kind of amazing to to see all those people. Like, as I said, when I look around the waiting room, I don't usually see uh, see them. And so that was that was really wonderful, just being in the room, even not necessarily interacting with, uh, with that many people, but to know that you were part of a, there was a community out there. Well, we have about three minutes left, and I know Annie wanted to talk to you about, you had commented on the, tonight's show is about the financial impact of cancer, and yeah. you uh, claim you came out relatively unscathed, but Annie had a couple of questions for you about that. 
Yeah, sure. why don't you tell us? I see you've done, you've uh, had coworkers donate sick time to you. How has your community rallied around you to help you get through this disease from the financial aspect? Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm an elementary school guidance counselor, and so um, people have donated. My coworkers have donated a lot of their sick days, so that last school year, even though um, you know I was out every other Friday, and then three to four days afterwards of the next week recovering from the chemo. Um, plus, I spent. Some, I had some complications in the fall that required, required me to be out for about three weeks in a row, um, I only I, I only didn't get paid for maybe about three weeks of the school year. So that was that was amazing of them to donate all those sick days. Um, and then we are just lucky to have a really incredible insurance plan that um, covers, you know, extensively my treatments. Um, and then very sweetly, um, towards the end of the school year, the sixth grade class um, read an article about online fundraising for people with illnesses and said, can we do that for Mrs. Dalzell? And so they created a little presentation for the principal and I and um, started an online campaign to raise some money, um, which which is helping to pay for acupuncture treatments to help with the neuropathy that I, as a result of the chemo, have. So that's really been wonderful. It's really inspiring to see that. And how do they make you feel to have people rallying around you like that? It, it it's been great. We have um, so many supporters. I um, I I wear Converse sneakers to my to every treatment and appointment, and. Um, my friends and family take pictures of those of their Converse sneakers and post them on my treatment days. Um, so there's probably like 200 people out there wearing sneakers for Sarah every other Friday, um, and it's it's just been overwhelming the amount of love and support that we felt from our friends and family and community. Well, Sarah, I I really want to thank you for your courage on the show and allow us to out you, but I can guarantee you that people <laughs> never get tired of hearing other people share their story, especially people like us. And whether you are anonymous or not, we still would have wanted you on the show. And your story is really important. Um, if you are so inclined, we are having a larger conference in New York City that I can email you under separate cover at the end of September with 225 attendees. Um, and it is our uh, fall conference. It's called the OMG Cancer Summit. And we'd love to have you come down with your husband if you have the time. And uh, I can't thank you enough for, again, coming on the show. Sarah Dalzell was uh, diagnosed with stage 4 stomach cancer at the age of 35 in 2013. She blogs at cancerinyour30s.blogspot.com. Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Bye now. Bye. All right, Kenny, now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That is events.stupidcancer.org. Your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. Something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly do not want you missing out. We have a lot of events. We may have to amend our process. We have Hinsdale 
Illinois, Modesto, California, Cody, Wyoming, Clifton, New Jersey, Casper, Wyoming, Denver, Colorado, New York, New York, Anchorage, Alaska, Irvine, that's the event for young adult cancer patients and survivors, Culver City, California, and Raleigh, North Carolina. That's a lot of events. Yeah. Cancer is lonely, period. We've got the cure. It's called Instapeer, our forthcoming free mobile app that will bring instant, anonymous peer support to anyone affected by cancer. Visit instapeer.org to watch our video, learn more about our project, and consider making a tax-deductible donation so you can be a part of history. Instapeer.org. All right, Matthew. It's always a good time to stock up on Stupid Cancer Gear. Visit stupidcancerstore.org and stay nice and cool with all new products and styles to choose from. We've got our awesome skateboard. And don't forget about Flip the Cancer Bird, our plushy mascot. That's stupidcancerstore.org. Be proud. Wear stupid cancer. And that, that is your Stupid Cancer News. Man, cancer's expensive. We got a great show tonight. Joining us, two of the leadership from Get Forward. Ethan Austin is the co-founder of Get Forward, a self-proclaimed and he's a self-proclaimed intra-office burrito-eating champion. And for the last three years, his uh, partner in crime, Ariana Vargas, has worked as director of business development at Get Forward. Her knowledge of the cost of cancer stems from her personal and professional work at Get Forward, as well as her personal life. She's personally helped. Uh, Multiple friends, doctors with cancer, set up fundraisers on Get Forward, including our very own co-host here, Andy Goodman. She's raised tens of thousands of dollars, and these two guys are changing the world. Please welcome to the show, from Get Forward, Ethan Austin and Aaron DeVargis. Hello. Thank you. Hello. Well, returning champions. Well, there's only, I, I'm a breeding champion, so uh, there's one champion at least. Okay. I'm a light that, champion. I, I, <laughs> yeah. small. You guys are catching up to the people that have been on the show the most times, but it's really important issues. So I'm glad you're you're back tonight to talk about cancer made me broke. Well, thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. So why don't you start from scratch? Tell us the uh, origin story behind uh, Give Forward and uh, what got you guys into this business in the first place. Beyond the obvious that yes, cancer is expensive, but it's not just cancer. Yeah, sure. So um, my partner, uh, Desiree, um, was in Kansas City in 2000, I guess it was 2006 when Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, and was it 2007? Whenever Hurricane Katrina hit. And um, and she was working on the Coffin Foundation, and she was looking at all the people who had been um, you know, injured or, or lost their house in the hurricane, and and they're all giving to the Red Cross and uh, all the people at the Coffin Foundation, they're just sitting around wondering why they couldn't give to people directly. Um, and that kind of sparked it for her um, and thought, well, you know, we should be able to give uh, to people more directly than having to give to a, to a nonprofit where you don't know where that money's going. Um, and then across the a country uh, around the same time I was in law school and my buddy convinced me to, Trained for a marathon, which um, I don't know why I ever decided to do that, but I did. And I figured I'm going to do this uh, one time in my life that I will raise money for a nonprofit. And my father had passed away from cancer when I was a kid, so I'd always been involved with cancer nonprofits and decided to uh, raise money for St. Jude's. And um, they gave me a, a fundraising page, 
and I started getting ten and twenty dollar donations from across the country and started getting hundreds of them and, and I was just kind of blown away at what a powerful tool it was and um I was able to raise, you know, six thousand dollars and just couldn't believe that I was able to raise so much money and thought, Well this is this is a really cool tool. Um but what if your cause is you know, children uh you know, in Darfur or battered women's shelters or the environment you know, I was thinking um, you know, it would be a great tool to have for, for anything, for whatever your cause might be. And um, Desiree uh, was starting this, and fortunately I had a, a mutual friend that introduced me to her, and I couldn't convince any of my friends to start it, so I wasn't going to, but, but Desiree was brave enough to start it on her own uh, without really enough money to, to even finish the website. I got introduced to her and was lucky enough to, to join her in 2008, and we launched from there. And Ariana, you uh, you joined the fray uh, a couple of years ago as well, and and I just want to make the, the 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 case that you know we are a cancer show, but you guys are about anything you want. And I know we, we want to get into Annie's story here about you know the idea that you could give someone else money and it's not tax deductible, which used to be the old school of thinking, has been completely derailed with crowdfunding. But you guys have really managed to kind of own. That space. So, paint the picture. How did you get started in this uh, this crazy world, Ariana? Um, well, part of it was that um, my older sister is Desiree, the um, Ethan's co-founder. So, I, I knew all about it from the very early days uh, when she came up with the idea, and I thought she was crazy because I I said, who would risk this much personal finances? She took out a huge loan to build this website and didn't have a partner, and it was all because she said, I just know that this needs to exist. And so it was inspiring to see that. Um, and she was getting ready to launch, and I was living in New York City. And I was thinking about making a move, and I decided um, that, that Chicago was the place. And so she said, you know, you can kind of help us out if you want to. And so in, in the early days, Ethan would uh, kind of be the give-forward mascot running around Chicago in a banana costume, and I was filming videos, and we were convinced they were going to go viral, which, of course, they did not. Um, but it was a, an interesting sort of organic grassroots way to get started. Um, and that was sort of, you know, the beginning of it. But you touched on a point that I think is super important. I don't want to lose it um, in this, uh, in what we're talking about, and that is that this idea of people giving money and crowdfunding, um, there's this notion of celebratory gifting. You know, someone has a birthday or a wedding or a baby, and no one thinks twice about sending them money. And one of the causes that Give Forward has been championing for many, many years is this idea that if we're comfortable giving people money when they don't really have a financial gap and there's something celebratory in their life, why would we ever hesitate to give them money when something goes wrong, like someone is, you know, has fallen ill or developed cancer? So I think, you know, you, you kind of set that up nicely for me to be able to say because it's one of the most important messages I think we can get across today. So let's let's get down to then, you know, the, the real nitty-gritty here. The, from what I've seen, that the the... the, the, the the um, I'm gonna say the stereotype is that it's a bunch of broke people who get sick and they need money and they beg their friends, and that is completely not what it is. And I wanted to help break that stereotype and talk about some actual R and D and some statistics around bankruptcy and medical debt and the high cost of cancer and medication. Most people who go bankrupt have insurance. Most people who crowdfund personally have insurance so we'll, let's debunk a lot of this stuff and then i want to have annie tell her story so we can discuss the actual pragmatic way that people get involved on your platform 
Sure. So we, where should we start? So so we can give you some statistics. Um, we can start with, right, so the number one cause of bankruptcy in America is, is medical debt. causes 62% uh, of those bankruptcies. Um, it's a, you know, it's a bankruptcy every 30 seconds. Um, the, most people that go bankrupt, they actually have medical insurance. It's not that people are raising money oftentimes for uh, their actual medical costs. It's all the things around it that insurance doesn't cover. So if the average cost, um, you'll tell, what is, you, you tell me the average cost of cancer. We, we've always said, you know, for breast cancer in the first year, the average out-of-pocket medical costs, uh, we've been told are around $8,500. And um, the average person in the United States uh, in a poll a couple of years ago, uh, Duke University did a study, and the average person only has uh, about $2,000. Um, and then, like, half the country couldn't come up with $2,000 in the event of a medical emergency. So the reality is it's not for poor people. It's not for people who lack means. It's not for people who are asking for handouts. The reality is that none of us are set up uh, in a situation where when something catastrophic happens and something bad happens that we didn't expect that we're set up in a situation to handle that on our own. Um, and we shouldn't be expected to be. I mean, that's why we have friends. That's why we have family. That's why we have people who care for us who, who are all asking the question, what can I do to help? And so, um, you know, that's where Give Forward really comes in is, you know, that gap between that 8500 a year in out-of-pocket costs, those beyond, you know, your medical bills, that's the travel, that's the, you know, additional daycare, uh, that's the extra meals that you have to buy because you don't want to cook. All those extra things, those are the things that give forward that friends and family can help cover um, because, you know, unless you're, unless you're Bill Gates, no one's really set up um, to, you know, to, to really take cancer on by themselves. The first time I had breast cancer in 2012, when I did my taxes and uh, my 2012 taxes, I think my medical out-of-pocket costs were right around between 8500 and $10,000. And I had, and I still have, excellent insurance. Um, it's the other costs, the, it's the, your cost of living, besides just going to the doctor, is automatically goes up when you're diagnosed with cancer because everything that, it's not just, you know, the um, having to order meals. It's for me in New York City. It's the transportation. It is, you know, people going back and forth to treatment. They need gas. Uh, you know, because they're sometimes traveling to very far away cancer centers. Um, I'll get a little bit into my story. So I was uh, diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in um, November of 2013, just this past a little less than a year ago, and. Um, when this was actually right after I met Ariana and I told her about how I had done a little fun, my friends did a little bit of fundraising for me the first time, um, I think like $4,000 and change. Um, but this time, you know, uh, at this time I was healthy. We went out to dinner and we all had fun and had drinks and we just were talking about, you know, the whole experience of crowdfunding and how it really helps out people who are struggling but this time it was a lot different. Um, my personal cost, just because I had at the time, um, I went to Houston for a second opinion, um, so I had to cover the cost for that. 
I had to also, my parents met me there and we all bought plane tickets with less than a week's notice because I was under such a tight deadline to try to figure out what was going on and what was wrong with me. And these are the types of costs that fundraising, these fundraising pages pay for. It's not just, you know, I want to hire a cleaning lady or whatever. It's, um, there's so much cost involved with dealing with cancer. And then when I found the cancer metastasized to my brain, I remember when I was able to actually like look at my phone and see, you know, read my emails, I think it was like I'm in surgery and I'm getting like all these crazy donations from like people I've never even met. And it was just so amazing. And it did, it helped me so tremendously to know that, you know, I made the decision. I, I looked at my page and it was like, I don't know, like 15 to $18,000 in my account. And I was like, Whoa, like what is going on? And I remember thinking to myself like, okay, I just had brain surgery. I'm about to have whole brain radiation. I'm about to have permanent baldness. And I'm 32 years old, 30-year-old woman, about to have permanent baldness. I have a huge incision in the back of my head. When I get out of this place, I'm buying myself a human hair wig. And the reason I was able to afford it was because I had that sight and that I had that money that I was able to tap into because there was no possible way that I would have been able to afford a custom-made wig. And people all the time tell me, you have an awesome looking wig. I'm like, I'm very lucky. I have a lot of really nice friends and family who helped me pay for it because otherwise I wasn't, I was not getting this wig. I was going to get, you know, something from like, look good, feel better or climb into my closet and find my ratty wig from last time that I totally destroyed. But it's, but you guys, it's so tremendous because we don't want to ask for help and it is there's something about it of having to ask for help that sometimes is a little um, humbling. But once you get it and you're able to do things to make yourself more comfortable when you're going through this, it, it's so huge for, for people like me. Like I had to take cabs to treatment. To whole brain, I went to whole brain radiation. I had 10 sessions. I took cabs to every single treatment. And in New York City, that, that adds up. That's like 50 bucks a day. And then I'm getting food delivered and then I'm getting, you know, redoing things in my apartment to make it more accommodating because I just had brain, brain surgery. And um, even now, I, it's very hard for me to take public transportation. So I, I take cabs almost everywhere unless I have someone to help me. And that, that's not even getting into the paying for the treatments themselves and the surgeries. And it's just, it's amazing. And I wish more people, um, I know some people are... Um, Sometimes it's like a pride thing to not ask for help. And for me, it was doing this avoided having to ask my parents for money all the time. Parents are retired. It avoided my parents from having to get a job to help support me. And um, I hope people who are listening, like, really take this to heart, that if they're struggling, people want to help you. Total strangers gave me donations. I have no idea who they are. They just said, I read your story, and I wanted to help. And I really hope that people will consider this. It's just like, you know, if you're depressed, you don't have to suffer. You can see a psychiatrist, get on medication, whatever it is. And uh, anyway. I want to focus on how you guys are unique in, in that um, Andy touched on something really relevant that was a, practically I'm a victim of being the stigma of because I didn't understand it myself, which is that people don't want to be pitied, that people don't like to ask for money, people don't want help. 
um, and you make it easier for them to get over that hurdle because of the uniqueness of your business model, can you talk about the helpline, the human beings who have conversations with thousands of people and the process that makes you so different? Yeah, I, I can speak to that a little um, because uh, a lot of what I did in the early days was sort of explaining this to um, social workers that we were asking to endorse our program. But the unique, um, the most unique aspect about Give Forward is that we offer a personal fundraising coach to every single person who creates a fundraiser. So that means you might not be sure how to fundraise or what you're doing exactly, but as soon as you hit that publish button, you will get an email with the photograph, direct phone number, and direct email address of your personal coach. And this is a person whose entire job it is is to help you figure out how this process works. So it's it's not just sort of customer service and tech support if you can't upload a photo. It's regular outreach saying, you know, great job on raising $1,000 in your first day, or we noticed you haven't logged in in a while. Do you have any questions? Um, one of the things that we learned in dealing with the, the demographic, demographic of people that we do is that typically the, the people who have started a fundraiser are those who are starting it on behalf of someone that they love, and they have a lot of stress going on in their life. Um, so the last thing they need is to start something with a lot of excitement, thinking, hey, I heard this story on the radio and it's really going to work, and have a question and have no one to, to pick up the phone and call. So we have our coaches available seven days a week. Um, you can email your personal coach. You can call your personal coach. And then while you're on the site, there's also a live chat option. And I think that it's sort of like anything else in any other business. Customer service is really the, the main ingredient that, that makes people feel comfortable with a brand. And with Give Forward, we're not, we're not a brand. We're real people who have been through this and who have hosted our own fundraisers and who have loved ones who have fought cancer, some who have beaten it, some who haven't. And so we really have a connection to our mission and to everyone who uses the site. So in terms of reach, how do people typically find out about your organization? You know, a lot of people still find out just from other people who use the site. Um, and, and a lot of that, to what Ariana said, goes back to our fundraising coaches um, who create great experiences for people. And, and, and it's, A, they, they were successful, and their friends found out about it because people you know, saw they invited them through Facebook and they saw it and they said, Oh, well I know Tom had a give forward page recently and Joe Joe could use one now too, so let's start one for Joe. Um, you know, so people just find it naturally if it's successful. Or or the other thing is uh, we we just got an email today from someone, you know, saying the help that you guys gave us throughout the process helped so much and, and we're so appreciative of it. And those people even whether they raise $1,000 or, or $20,000, they tend to tell their friends because um, I, I think just as important uh, as, you know, sometimes raising that money is, A, knowing that people care about you and whether that means your friends or in your family or it means someone on the other end of that phone that give forward, people are always surprised that we're not robots, that there's actually people or our number one value is, you know, compassion and and just being there for people because, you know, we've all been through the same thing. Um, so many of us have been touched by cancer, and we all understand what, what people are going through. So um, I think that has been, um, you know, our, you know, from day one, our, our kind of secret sauce of, of trying to get, you know, how people are going to talk about us is, is that we actually are authentic and we actually care about people. One of the other, um, so I guess, stigmas that I recently had long ago before, um uh, I got to know you guys was that the idea of crowdfunding for medical debt, you know, oftentimes it's not 
that much money. We think of cancer cures and treatments being in the millions of dollars. Most people don't owe that much money. Some of them do, but do you find that there are people coming that need to raise more than eight to ten thousand dollars? They they need fifty, a hundred thousand dollars, and that does happen. And and are you guys taking a role in um, uh, helping to? have a larger conversation about the high cost of care. Ideally, we don't want anyone to need you, but that's always going to be the case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you want to take this, Ariana? Oh, sure. Um, I was just going to say that the, the need really um, ranges for every person, so there are absolutely people who need more than that. Um, some of those people will be people without insurance, but some of them are people who have insurance, but they've tried a couple of courses of treatment and those aren't working and they, they're sort of out of options and maybe they want some sort of alternative therapy. But I think what's so great about um, Give Forward is that because you can set your own goal, there are people who have come on, and this, this isn't related to cancer, but there are people who have come on who said, I have a child with autism and I want to create a fundraiser to get him an iPad and pay for the software that's going to help my child be able to talk. And they go on and they raise, you know, the $1,500 in three minutes or, you know, 12 hours or some unbelievable amount of time, and then they can close the fundraiser and, and get what they needed. What I think is so exciting about um, a Give Forward page is that people are, are looking for a way to help. And I remember telling Annie this because she was a little bit resistant when I first said, like, I think you should start a Give Forward page um, because she didn't want to seem like she was asking for too much. Or sometimes people hesitate and say, well, I don't know how much I actually am going to need. And I think the great thing is that um, when you create a, a Give Forward page for all of those friends and family who are looking for a way to help but just had no idea how to do it, if you provide them a place where they can go leave comments of love and support or leave a financial contribution, suddenly they have a, a way to help, and it's, it's an empowerment tool. It makes them feel a lot less helpless. So even if that amount is only $3,000 um, or if it's $30,000, I think, you know, that part of things doesn't there's no consistency because everyone's need is personal and different, but everyone's network is also personal and different and may want to help in a variety of ways. So just, you guys have sent us some facts just for the record for our listeners out there. 62% of all personal bankruptcies are medical. And in 69% of those cases, the person filing has insurance at the time of filing. So those are stunning numbers. I assume it's only gotten worse since I've read them uh, 20 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the the biggest cause of that is the increase in health insurance premiums. So from, from 20, 2000 to 2012, insurance premiums uh, increased by about 180%, and the workers' contributions increased uh, a little over that, like you know, 190% or so at the same time earnings and inflation only increased by about 20%. So there's an increasing gap. So those, those numbers that you have, I think, are, are you know probably three or four or five years old. And over that last four or five years, those numbers are just getting worse. And you have here, in, uh, you had sent to us um, a quote that was kind of disturbing, that societal expectation is that you should be prepared for cancer which is, of course, preposterous, but is that really your take? Do you really believe that, and, and why? I don't – so so here's um, – a poll came out recently. I think it was in Glamour magazine that, that asked the question, um, you know, should you – is it okay to ask uh, – to do a crowdfunding page for medical expenses when you're sick? And 
the the responses were 53% of people said no, and 47% said yes. And and while it was a little disappointing to say that 53% of people still said no, the amazing thing I think is just that they're asking that question. That if you asked that question three years ago, it would have been 95 to five, and that no one would have said this is okay. But it's I I am shocked and surprised and glad at how rapidly that's changing and how much more people are saying this is the norm. This is what people do when when you care about someone, you should set up a page for them. Um, if you're if you're sick and you're you know and you're going through something difficult, you shouldn't have to go through this alone. You should set up a page for yourself, and and it's becoming okay. Um, whereas in the past, you know that really was, I think the stigma is that like people, you know we're this is America. We're we're built on you know rugged individualism, and that we should you know all be able to take care of ourselves. Um, but the system and the healthcare system is so broken that it's that it really is a farce to believe that that you know we're set up to take care of ourselves when something catastrophic happens. So another statistic which Mallory just uh, popped up here on my desk: over 25 million adults, 19 to 64 years old, will not take their prescription drugs as indicated, including skipping mm-hmm. doses to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that's ridiculous that people have to do that to just get by when we're barely getting by when we're not sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember speaking to it was actually at um, it was at an OMG conference probably about four years ago, and I was speaking to Ethan Zahn, and and he, I remember him saying um, to me, he's like, you know, I, I've you know. You know, I do fine financially, um, but the scariest thing to me wasn't the cancer diagnosis. It was it was looking at those bills every single month um, because they were just so astronomical that you, you'd want to, you know, you don't want to even look at them after a while, and you would just kind of want to stick your head in the ground, um, in the sand, and, and not look at them. But but yeah, I think that's we hear that all the time of people having to choose between, well, am I going to take my meds or am I going to, you know, send my kids, uh, pay my kids tuition, right? And it's like, it's, it's a choice that we shouldn't be having to make. Ariana, the website just hit a hundred million dollars raised. So as someone working at Give Forward and help develop Give Forward, why do you think the organization has been so successful? Honestly, I think the the number one thing is the passion of the people um, working for the company. I could not be prouder of of both Ethan and Desi and how they represent us as a company, how they've been able to go out and, you know, we were able to get venture funding and Ethan can tell a longer story than I can, but a very long time ago, people with a lot of money at venture firms said, there's no way anyone would invest in this kind of a business. It's a real nice idea, but it's not happening. Um, But these two just believe that it should happen and they hired only people who have that passion and the enthusiasm comes out in the voices of every coach who talks to a person. They have compassion and they really care. Um, I like to, to hope that it does with me when I'm talking to people in hospitals. We have give forward brochures in over uh, 3,000 hospitals now, and that's a really, really big number where, you know, you say $100 million now, and I used to cold call hospitals saying, this is a really great service, and it's free to create a page. Please listen to us. We've helped people raise a million and a half dollars. So to hear you say $100 million now, <laughs> just, it's, it's really exciting. So what's the future hold? Where, where are you guys uh, seeing yourselves moving into? Is it going to stick 
with this obviously necessary, sadly unnecessary platform of helping people, or, or are you getting invested in the idea of uh, like tackling the problem itself? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier in the show when you said this is a problem we wish didn't exist. Um, but we're not going to pretend to be the ones that, that understand um, how to solve the problem. Right? We're, we're going to help people get through the problem as it exists. And I think what we can do is, is be a voice and, and speak out about it and, and, and talk about it and raise the issue and say this is ridiculous. Like we, we, people should not have, be having to choose you know, their medicines or, or their kids' tuition or, or whatever it might be. Like people should not be having to make these choices. I think we can speak out about it um, and, and use our megaphone because um, we hear these stories every single day um, from from people who are just like all of us, right? just average middle-class Americans um, who are struggling, and, and we see it firsthand. And so I think the best thing we can do is continue you know, speaking out about it um, and let, let, let others know. Eventually, I think, I hope, uh, Congress is going to have to listen sooner or later. Well, we wanted to announce live on the show with a few minutes left that uh, Stupid Cancer and uh, Give Forward are officially partnering on a national platform, and we're proud to call it the name of the show, Cancer Made Me Broke. And we will be spending the uh, next ensuing months and years using this as a strategic platform to give voice to people who are unfairly, not just unfairly diagnosed with cancer, but unfairly burdened with insane financial debt as young adults, um, or any age for that matter, but we are a young adult-focused mission. And CancerMadeMeBroke.com is now going to be a legitimate site that takes you to a specific website within Get Forward. And I would love Ariana to take the lead on this and talk about that. Yeah, so what we wanted to do is um, kind of combine our networks. We know that we, we have a powerful tool, but um, Stupid Cancer has this beautifully large um, megaphone and microphone speaking to the exact population we think we can help the most. So what we want people to be able to do is go to cancermamiebroke.com, read a little bit about this, and then be able to immediately start your fundraising page from there. Um, The nice thing is that by doing it this way, we'll have this community of young people who have have come in through this channel who are kind of making their statement that it's not okay that cancer made them broke, um, and it'll be a community of people who are all fundraising, and you can share each other's links and send people to the, the main page to see who else is doing it, but we really want to um, build a strong community that has an even stronger voice than we could have individually or just our individual companies to make a statement about this and hopefully make change things so that this doesn't happen to people 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So, so all right, so Annie is a fruit of your labor. You hear stories about Annie. You hear people who are hesitant to join the platform. They need coaching. They need to be told it's okay, there's a level of permission people have to accept that this is an, something that is okay to do. What's your takeaway? What do you, how do you, like when you go to bed at night and you say we're doing this for a living, you hear Annie talk about how much this truly, you know, it didn't cure her cancer, but it's in a sense saving her quality of life. Uh, what, what does that feel like for you? I mean, I, I don't have children, but I can only equate it to um, the pride that you must feel of, of creating something really beautiful while it was, you know, Ethan and Des- Desiree's child, so to speak. I think everyone, they've created a culture where everyone who works for the company feels like we own our part of it. 
um, for me hearing Annie say that. I mean, the best feeling I had for, for months was when I would get text messages from Annie going, I can't believe I ever said don't, I didn't want to do this. And I just thought this is exactly what it's about. And I think, you know, with the Cancer Made Me Broke movement, there's always safety in numbers. And my hope is that anyone who's a little bit hesitant or anyone who is a little on the fence like Annie was can hear other people's stories, can read them and go, this can be for me too. Because I meant it when I said it before, it's, it's very much about the patient and, and supporting people like Annie, but it's also about all of the people in your life who have no idea how to help, who feel absolutely helpless. And I, you know, I started a fundraiser about a month ago for a friend of mine in, um, in Chicago, and Annie, of course, has reached out to her because Annie's amazing, um, just to be supportive because she was also diagnosed with breast cancer. And it raised $15,000 in the first 24 hours. And my friend uh, wasn't sure she wanted to do it at first. Same sort of story. She um, wasn't sure if it would, you know, if her pride could handle it kind of thing. And I think that, that, you know, that idea I said before of celebratory gifting and this notion of, you know, being there for people, they want to, people want to be there for you when you're sick. And they'll do it in the way that feels most appropriate for them. But no one's required to give to your page if they see your Give Forward fundraiser on Facebook. Um, but if they were looking for a way to help and they have an extra $50 to spare, all of a sudden they're part of the, the solution. And I think that's, you know, I couldn't be prouder of, of anything I've ever worked on in my life. Look what you did, Annie. Thank you. Look what you did, Annie. They did it for me. <laughs> I'd be wearing a really scary-looking wig right now. Your wig is the <laughs> shit. I know. Yeah, it's really awesome. Well, I, we are out of time, but I was really excited to be able to uh, have you guys back on the show. This is an issue that sadly never gets old, and sadly it looks like it's not going away anytime soon. But we are really proud to have you in our camp as our partners and uh, give forward. You guys are doing some great work. Ethan Austin, the uh, co-founder, and Ariana Vargas, the director of business development, giveforward.org, uh, dot com, and then cancermademebroke.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. All right. What do you think, Rob? You guys are awesome. I have to tell you, I spent a lifetime in marketing things that really don't matter. And it's amazing to hear what you guys do, what the folks at Give Forward do. I'm impressed with all of you. It's amazing that you're doing something to really help people and bring, I think, some, some joy and some help to their lives. And you're all an incredible group of people. Yeah, we're really, really proud of the partnership. And it's just the first day. This is going to be ongoing for a long time now. It's revenue for us. It makes more Annie's out there, which is, you know, you're like the poster child for cancer mm-hmm. maybe broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, Well, it didn't make me broke because I asked for help. Well, exactly. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, but good stuff. Thank you for joining us tonight, Rob. Thanks for having me. How, anything else tonight? Yeah. Just my challenge to Ethan Austin to a burrito eating contest next time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is it like Chipotle or is it going to be like a, I mean, he, his choice of burrito, he's the one who's the self-proclaimed burrito eating champion. But so. it's intra-office burrito eating champion. Right. Well, it's time to make it inter. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to know who the real we winner is. We did the cancer con burrito eating. <laughs> I'm all for that. I'm all for the cancer con burrito eating conversation. I'm, I'm nauseous. It's By the way, Chidoba, home office in Denver. So is Chipotle. And really, both. Yeah, they've Chipotle the first. We're going to have to have two burrito off. <laughs> Sounds great. Fantastic. All right. Well, on that note, uh, it is now time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell.
Hooray! I'm helping! You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo! You done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. Our 316th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Poking a stick. That's stupid cancer. We'd like to thank our guests, Sarah Dalzell. And Ariana Vargas and Ethan Austin from Give Forward and Live Studio Drop-In, Rob Polizzi. Next week's show, Ralph Lauren Cancer Center. Join us for an exclusive broadcast shining a light on the Ralph Lauren Cancer Center. Uh, Center for Cancer Care and Prevention right here in New York City. We'll be speaking with CEO Dr. Gina Villani, Development Director Marcy Grenholz, Director and Young Adult Patient Danny Jimenez, from Survivor Spotlight on Tamika Phillips. Subscribe to our show anytime for free on iHeartRadio Talk, iTunes Podcast, and Blog Talk Radio. Check us out anytime online at stupidcancer.org and stupidcancershow.org. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Live from the chemo deck, on behalf of Andy Goodman, Kenny Kane, Maureen Tweet, Mallory Rivera, myself, and the whole Stupid Cancer Show team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week live at 8 p.m. Good night, folks. And everybody.